four, three, two. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's July 24th, 2020. Welcome back to a brand new episode of Kicking with the King, episode 278. Thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you all for joining me here on Friday. It's Friday, like I said. Friday, July 24th, 2020. Welcome back. It's good to be back. We were supposed to do this the other day, in fact, and um, together. Well, it did come together, but some complications with the um, technical difficulties had warranted that not to come out. Um, specific audio was lost, and uh, yeah, I don't know what happened. I, I don't know what happened. Like I said, we had this problem before in the past, but it's nowhere near what it was in, uh, before. It was just a little accidental, you know, deletion or, you know, it tweaked or something like Something crazy happened. I don't know if this glitched in the audio that was recorded was actually lost, but... Then again, you know, that gives us time to sit back and sit down and be able to kind of, you know, revamp and, you know, kind of, you know, any thoughts that we may have said the other day, we might have them updated and a little bit more detailed, and that's exactly what we do here sometimes when it comes to talking about things. So, yeah, we're, um, it's good to be back. Um, like I said, a really long week as well. Um, it was fucking hot for, like, the last couple of days, I thought, and, uh, you know, I just... Um, just been working and, and hanging out and you know just everything relaxing and taking naps it's so it, it baffles me though the one one part about this whole thing you guys ever do this it baffles me but say for example you got work or you got school the next day but your ass still stays up still stay you still stay up and you still don't go to bed or you you go to bed and then you wake up so hell early even when you have the day off even when you shouldn't even be doing it. Like, you, you should be sleeping, right? You should be going to bed at specific times, and then and, and that doesn't come together. So it's only a matter, man. You know, people do that. I've done that since I was little. So it's like I said, that's usually the case. You know, when you have split days off, you guys ever have, you guys know anybody that has split days off? Like you work Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Or do you, well, no, we may say you work like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, have Thursday off. Work Friday, have Saturday off, work Sunday or some shit like that. You know, it's crazy though. It, but then again, it's like, say for example, you may not have done too much exciting things on this one day. And then the day after is just, oh, one more day and then you're back to work rather than working. And then you work and then you're off and then you work another day. And then you're, I mean, I like it. Split days are pretty cool. That's I kind of like along the lines that I have and you never know truly what the days that you have, but, um, anyway, ladies and gentlemen, welcome in, like I said, episode 278 of Kicking with the King, like I said, um, and welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, as always, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, at KWTKPod, as well as my Instagram, at GTheKingOfficial, May on Twitter, thank you guys for tuning in, I always say that. Just to show appreciation. You gotta be appreciative, especially during times like this, especially during 2020. So that's exactly what we're doing. A little rundown of what today's show, what we're gonna be talking about on today's show. Um, obviously, there were some things about last weekend's, or the last recent fight card before this one, um, the Benavidez versus Figueroa fight card, as well as, uh, um, you know, obviously some things about, you know, I wanna talk about Calvin Gas in the future. You know, three losses. I mean, Jack Hermanson's big win. How he fits into this weekend's middleweight fight. You know, he could potentially be fighting the winner. You know, there's a lot to talk about, and I wanted to make some points about the 
Gastelum, you know, three-fight losing skid and stuff like that, as well as an amazing middleweight matchup between Robert Whitaker and Darren Till, which airs tomorrow on ESPN and ESPN Plus on July, yeah, July 25th, 25th, uh, the final event in on Flight Island, Abu Dhabi. It seemed like it couldn't, uh, it didn't last long enough, but like I said, let's not waste any time, but first, as always, before we begin, we are presented to you by Anchor. Anchor is the one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing a podcast. It's 2020, ladies and gentlemen. Over a million people podcast. There's over a million podcasts. Different people, all your favorite favorite celebrities, excuse me. Anybody you know, your friends, your family, your ex, your girlfriend, your co-worker, your training partner. It doesn't matter who it is. Everyone has a podcast or knows or has been introduced to podcasts since they've been hot you know i've been doing this like i said for six years plus and it's only going to keep going it's only going to keep getting better the numbers are going to continue rising how about positive numbers rising for podcasts rather than covid right like i said anchor is number one app for anybody that's trying to start a podcast from scratch with no stressors necessary no there's no stress there's no nothing there's nothing else to worry about it guides you through it step by step has an automated voice in the back that guides you through and they'll answer your questions with ease like i said i i had my ups and downs with anchor had my questions and almost felt like it was too good to be true but when i found out that anchor not only has five stars and it's so easy and efficient to use, and not only does it is it easy and efficient to use, ladies and gentlemen, it distributes your shows to multiple podcasting providers, making it easier for your podcast to be accessed from the fans, from anybody that needs help listening to your shows. Because not everybody has iTunes, not everybody has Spotify. So if it mixes it up, it makes it easier, and it has a huge and a more efficient variety of platforms to stream. Kicking it with the king. Not only kicking it with the king, all your favorite podcasts. All of them are available 100% free on all these major apps. Most of the time, hope you don't have to pay for your podcast. But like I said, you can visit our website directly at www.anchor.fm forward slash kwtkpod as well as um, anchor.fm forward slash kwtkpod forward slash support support our show leave us a five-star rating review on itunes spotify whatever it is wherever you can leave five-star ratings and reviews be sure to leave them for us we appreciate the support we appreciate everything ladies and gentlemen and um and so forth let's get back to it all right so we're gonna quickly start it off with uh the top three well two three fighters particularly on the last um fight island card you know obviously benavidez versus figueroa David Davis and Figueroa beats Joseph Benavidez for the second time. And another finish, a beautiful submission victory, choked him asleep. Um, Figueroa made, made weight. Figueroa is the new champion. So, like I said, congrats to Figueroa. Um, what we're going to talk about first, well, we're going to start off in the corner of Joseph Benavidez. So, I've been following Joseph Benavidez since 2012. Or 2000, yeah, 2012. I mean, that's when you remember the first flyweight. You know who crowned the champion? Who who was crowned the champion? The first flyweight title fight between him and Demetrius Johnson, which was raised at then. And then you look years later, they fought again on Fox, and that's when Mighty Mouse knocked him out. And then you know, other than that, you know we haven't seen Benavidez really in the title picture. And obviously, like I said, you know he's he's gotten a lot of title shots. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, he's come up short. And counting the WEC days, he's 0-5 in title fights. And, you know, we can think of a little list of people who, uh, 
you know, work their way up to the title fight, but unfortunately don't get it. I mean, there's guys like Alexander Gustafson, Chael Sonnen comes to mind. Um, I mean, who are some other people? I mean, Dan Henderson. I mean, I'm talking about people that didn't win the belt in the UFC. Because, you know, there's this big debate, and people like to list their categories for people who are some of the best fighters in the world that haven't won a world title in the UFC. So, I mean, I, I, I mean, like I said, there's a handful of lot people. I think Joseph Benavidez is an all-time leader in, um, you know, obviously fighting for the title, but not being successful. Unfortunately, like I said, but that's not that's not how I wanted this to turn out. I wasn't trying to say that, like, or discredit him or disrespect him. He's an amazing fighter. Humble in defeat, if you've seen his video. Has a beautiful wife, has a beautiful family, and, um, you know, obviously, like I said, it's unfortunate for him. But, you know, you look at the, a bad man that Stevens to figure out, man. He really showed, like, he is here to stay. He is here for the taking. He's here to break all the records and take all the faces down. I mean, look at look at his knockout power. Look at the vicious uh, submissions that he has. I mean, hairstylist as well on the side. Sign me up. I'm on the Divas and Figueroa train, man. He definitely showed some nasty power in there. You know, obviously, you know, made weight this time. He knew, obviously, what was at stake last time. And, you know, hence, if he had won, obviously, I mean, obviously he did win last time. He did win. But if he had made weight on top of winning, he would have won a world title. And there would probably be no reason for a rematch. Or, I mean, there, there might be a remis, re, reason for the rematch. But, you know, obviously, it would have had a less controversy added to it. But, you know, like I said, a win's a win. He's won uh, two separate ways against Joseph Benavidez. First one knocked him out. Second one submitted him. So, I mean, I really don't see any other, uh, you know, pathway for this fight. I mean, Joseph Benavidez, uh, obviously, you got to be, you got to stay up there to really, you know, keep yourself in the title picture. And I talked about this, uh, I don't remember, I think it was like, I don't know how many episodes ago. I mean, when we first, no, when we previewed the first fight, no, when we, when we were talking, we were talking about, I think we are just, uh, maybe I was talking amongst friends or talking amongst uh, someone else or, so, or just, someone online or some shit like that. But, you know, I was talking about, like, you know, Joseph Benavidez's losses in his entire career. I mean, two to my, he has, like, six losses, if I'm not mistaken. Let me pull up Joseph's Wikipedia. And I wanted to, uh, he wanted to uh, really, like, sit here and talk to, what does that say? Uh, let me see, Joseph. Benavidez, you know, he has two losses to Dom. I think he has two losses to Cruz, two losses to Mighty Mouse, and two losses to Figueroa, if I'm not mistaken. I'm, but If I butchered that, I am so sorry. All right. Um, all right, let me pull him up. Let me pull him up. He's still number two in flyweight rankings. Okay, let me pull him up. All right. Benavidez, okay. So, two losses to Figueroa. Two losses to Demetrius. Two losses to Dominic. Have we have we ever seen anything like that? His lone loss that wasn't a person to beat him twice was Sergio Pettis. I mean, how is this not a Hall of Fame-like resume? I mean, if you look at his career, man, he's been on top, been fighting the best guys. He's, he's fought nothing but the best guys. I mean, he fought in Dream, fought in WEC. Who, who, who hasn't he fought? I mean, if you look at his first UFC fight, was uh, against uh, Ian Loveland back at uh, UFC 128 in March of 2011. I mean, they come back, 
went on a three-fight winning streak, and then he fought his way to Demetrius Johnson at UFC 152, and that was for, I think that was for the flyweight belt, the inaugural flyweight champion. So they were crowning a flyweight champion, and and three fights in, he's fighting for a world title. And then he comes back after losing to Demetrius Johnson, goes on another three-fight winning streak, beats Ian McCall, stops Darren Oyama with a body punch, and then he beat Juicy A. Formiga, an impressive win, in my opinion. Then he worked his way back to a title, back to his title fight again against the consensus greatest flyweight fighter. That's the rematch where he gets knocked out. He gets knocked out, and then... From Demetrius Johnson, he goes on a five fight or six fight win streak. Look, he 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 after he was, so both times that Benavidez has lost. I mean, he obviously once he the first time he lost Dominic Cruz, he went on two fight win streak. Second time he he fought Dominic Cruz, he went on a three fight or four fight win streak. Sorry, and uh, then he after he lost. So Demetrius Johnson, the first time, he went on a three-fight win streak. Then he came back and fought Demetrius again after that three-fight win streak. Then he lost, and then he went back and won one, two, three, four, five, six fights in a row. Henry Sudo fight was controversial, um, but then he goes back and beats Sergio Pettis. Or loses to Sergio Pettis, excuse me. Then beats Alex Perez, Dustin Ortiz, Juicy A. Formiga. Then he loses to Figueroa twice in the same year, so... All of Joseph Benavidez's losses are, you know, two apiece. Two, two, two. Figueroa, Cruz, Mighty Mouse. Three people that have beat him twice. Sergio Pettis beat him once. And all his losses are to the best fighters in the world. So, you know, I, I don't know who wants to take a positive from that, breaking it all down like that. But you got to think about it. And you got to give the man respect where respect is deserved. I mean, he's been fighting the best guys for his entire career. Fuck what the other fights. I mean, he, he, he's been fighting the best guys in the world. I just think that he doesn't need to be fighting for a title right now. I don't know where his head's at. I don't know if he's contemplating retirement or anything along those lines. I sincerely hope not. I still think he's one of the top contenders in that division. Unfortunately, when you lose to someone two times in a row, it's hard to warrant a third fight unless you know it's controversial both times, as were the Max Holloway Volkanovski fight, the second fight, first fight was a little bit clear cut, but you know, you know, obviously, like certain fights, it's just it's rare to see someone come up short twice and get a third crack. But we've seen crazier things happen, so. Like I said, shout out to Benavidez and uh, Megan O'Leary. So going from Benavidez, let's go to Figueroa really quickly. Um, so when it comes to thinking about title fights, what's a what's a good title fight for Figueroa coming off of the two wins against Benavidez? I know there's Brandon Moreno in the mix. I mean, I don't know. I mean, uh, who is Askar Askarov? Uh, no, that's, is that is he a fly? No, he's not a flyweight. Never mind. I'm, I'm, I don't know what to talk But yeah, I mean that just shows you that there's there's not really too much depth at 125. And then the reason why my supporting topic comes to mind is because if you think if you look at the people he called out after the fight, all respects to Davidson Figueroa, but if you look at who he called out after the fight, Mighty Mouse in one championship, most likely, very likely, 99.9 percent never going to return to the UFC. Called out Henry Cejudo, quote-unquote, retired. I mean, I'd like to see that. But the chances of Henry getting down to 125 is, I don't know, 
Maybe he has to fight him at 135. But then again, 135-pound belt belongs to Peter Yan, so there's no more sliding in or doing anything. But, you know, if Henry wants to fight Figueroa, he's going to have to make 125, which is something I highly doubt. Henry's not going to be fighting for a belt unless it's against Peter Yan at bantamweight. Maybe Alexander Volkanovsky at 145. But 125, I highly doubt that's going to happen. So that's a huge problem right now in flyweight and has been for many years, obviously, since the Demetrius Johnson era. I mean, if you don't appreciate Demetrius Johnson, that's on you. But I'm going off of history and how the world uh, circulates around this MMA masses and the realisticness of the division. Is 125 not an exciting? I mean, it's an exciting division, but answer me this. Put together five fights. For that division. Hmm? Hmm? Again, who against who? You know, it's like you're recycling guys. You're, you're you know, there's, there's nothing exciting. I can't even think of shit to say when it comes to 125-pound division. 135-pound division. Yeah. Amazing people. Dominic Cruz, Algernon Sterling, Marlon Mars, Peter Yan, Jose Aldo, Corey Sanhagen, Rafael Assunta, Cody Garbrandt, Brian Keller. Everybody, man. There's top contenders everywhere. And, and 135 pounds and up, because you look at 145. Then we got Volkanovski, Holloway, um, Korean Zombie, Brian Ortega, Zabit, Magomed Sharifov, Brian, I mean, Cal, uh, Calvin Cater looking amazing, too. Then 155, Habib, Justin Gaethje, Tony Ferguson. Conor McGregor. I mean, there's there's lots of depth, but you know the 125 division doesn't 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 get people's MMA boners hard. You know what I mean? So it, it it sucks, but you know there's there's fights to be made at 125. There's there's gonna be a title challenger for for Devis and Figueroa pretty soon, and you know hence if he's able to defend his belt, good. If we get someone else getting a belt, fine. It's not going to affect me nearly as much as the upper weight classes. No disrespect to the flyweights. They're fantastic. They're quick. They're fun. I mean, Vigorero is one of the few that I can think of that has raging power the way he has. I mean, Demetrius didn't have power. He more had technique, and he would out, outdo you and everything. I mean, his submissions were excellent. He wasn't necessarily knocking people out. He was just beating the shit out of you, being ahead of you in every step of the way, outpointing you, out, out grappling you, and, you know, eventually getting to the point where he submits you. So, I mean, Mighty Mouse is, is a true martial artist and, you know, should be one of the most respected and well-loved martial arts, martial artists of all time. So, let's move from the flyweights to a few pounds up, or, you know, a few weight classes up, excuse me, to the middleweight division. Um, we had Jack Hermanson taking on Kelvin Gastelum. Very interesting fight. Actually, you know, I picked Kelvin Gastelum in that fight. I thought his, his striking and, you know, his wrestling would be a little bit, you know, obviously if you see that one scramble where Gastelum was on top, early in that first round, but then, you know, as they start to scramble, and he gets up, and he gets caught in that heel hook, you know, and then, you know, he's just twisting it, turning it, I mean, if you've seen Ariane Lipsky, ooh, I could not watch that fucking submission that she had earlier, I don't know who she fought, but that was a nasty submission, you know, her man gets the heel hook in on Gaslam, if I could pick any way for Gaslam to lose, it was not gonna be by submission, I don't know if it'll even been by knockout. Yeah, I thought maybe, I didn't think this, but, you know, thinking about it now, if I'm going to put pen to paper trying to think about the thoughts I would have had before this fight even happened, I probably would have sat back and picked either Gaslam by decision or Hermansen by decision. 
Not necessarily by submission, though, but, you know, that shows you that guy is fucking good, dude. Hermanson's good. He's got some fucking great wins. I mean, he has one over Derek Branch, submission. Went over, uh, went over Doc Ray decision, but you know, he's, he's, he fought a lot of good guys. Let's pull up Hermanson's Wikipedia. And the, the, also the best part about Hermanson is that he laid his shit out properly when it comes to the middleweight division. Obviously, you guys know middleweight champion in the world, Israel Asanya, is penciled in and set to fight Paulo Costa for the title. And tomorrow night on Saturday, Darren Till versus Robert Whitaker is going to go down. Um, obviously, we still got Jared Cannonier in the mix, so maybe Hermanson versus Cannonier. Or Hermanson wants the winner of Till versus Whitaker. And who can Karenir fight in the meantime? Because we got Israel Costa. He said something about Karenir fighting the winner of Israel versus Costa. I'd have to say you flipped the script a little bit, Jack Hermanson. I, I have to sit you know, and say what makes the most sense and probably what... But I'm not going to say get the asses in the seats because we're in the coronavirus pandemic and we don't have fans. Only people are going to be in there are UFC staff and fighters and the coaches and what, whatnot and security and whatnot. Um, so for the middleweight division, all right, so now that Jack Hermanson has this amazing win over Calvin Gaslam, I mean, there's a couple people at middleweight that have wins over Calvin Gaslam, Israel Adesanya, and Darren Till. Darren Hill has a dominant, you know, uh, not dominant, but it was a split decision, but, you know, it was a close fight. But Darren, Darren Till, um, obviously, in my head, I thought he won against Calvin Gaslam. He was close. He controlled Calvin a lot. He had raw strength. He was just real strong at middleweight. This is his second fight. He has Robert Whitaker. I mean, Jesus Christ, he's not taking any breaks at middleweight. But, um, yeah, so I said, like, Darren Till, you know, he had a decision win over Calvin. Israel had one of the best fights in the world against Kelvin. Probably took years off both their lives in that that fight. But you know Hermanson, you know obviously, you know he caught Kelvin. But it's not like Kelvin was just you know dominated or destroyed. I know he's facing three losses in a row. But if you got to just sit back, put your feet up, and think about the last three people that he's fought, he's fought Hermanson. Then he fought Till Monster. Hermanson, monster. Israel Adesanya, absolute kingpin monster on the cover of UFC 4. Fastest, you know, route to a world title fight and superstar that I've seen in a long time. You know, very creative, very calculated, very, very nasty, accurate striker. I mean, he, he fights very technical and very, very sneaky, very quick. So, I mean, Israel, like I said, is an absolute monster. Middleweight division's very stacked. This is the next point coming up to my next point when it comes to matchmaking. I don't necessarily agree with Hermanson fighting the winner of Till versus Whitaker. Kelvin's coming off of a loss, so that takes him out of the mix um, for right now. And get a couple more wins, you might be right up there again. Uh, but, you know, I, I say Hermanson. Wait, 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 wait. Um, am I high? Am I on crack right now? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on, hold on. I think he's fought Jared Cannonier already. So he can't fight Jared Cannonier. Okay. I'm sorry, Jack Hermanson. If I'm if I'm butchering this entire thing, I'm sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. It makes sense. No, it's not butchering. He lost to Jared Cannonier. So I, I can see what he's saying by him fighting Till versus Whitaker, but I'm just thinking about Till and Whitaker. That's a high stakes matchup. So a guy who has a win over another guy who wants to, you know, get closer to the title shot. I mean, Jared Cannonier should fight the winner of Whitaker versus Till, and I don't know who Hermanson should fight in the meantime. Let me look at the middleweight division, the rankings.
Because, you know, I want Cannoneer to fight the winner of Gaston versus Till. I mean, everyone's talking about all this other shit. But, you know, you had to bring up Jared Cannoneer. I mean, he, he's top contender at that division. Okay, here we go. Rankings. Pull it up. Um, Ramirez says number one is Robert Whitaker. Two, Paulo Costa. Three, Romero. Four, Cannoneer. Ooh. Ooh. I mean, I don't want I don't want to say this, but I don't want this to come out bad. But, I, you know, I, I'd have to say, you know, if you can beat a guy like Yoel Romero and get through the crazy fucking hell and war that he brings to every single guy he fights, then you're truly meant to fucking fight. How many black champions do we got? We got four, three African-American champions. Okay, now what else I was going to look at? This middle way. Okay, Israel Desanya. Here we go. Robert Whitaker, number one. Paulo Costa, number two. Cannoneer, three. I think Cannoneer and Romero should link up. Or Hermanson, Romero. Hermanson, Romero. Cannoneer fights the win. Yeah, how about that? How about that? We're making some matchmaking right here on this podcast today. Thank you, guys. Quickly, quickly, quickly. All right. Hermanson, Romero. I mean, Romero's coming off of a loss, but, you know, style-wise, it's a fucking awesome fight. And don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, we also have the August 1st event against Bronson versus uh, Edmund Shabazi and another top contender coming up, dude. This place is stacked. I mean, look at this top. Look at this middleweight division from the top to the bottom. All fucking great fighters. Robert Whitaker, Paulo Costa, Jared Kennedy, Yoel Romero, Derek, Darren Till, Jack Hermanson, Kelvin Gasson, Derek Brunson, Edmund Shabazi, Uriah Hall, Omari Akhmedov. Brad Tavares, Ian Heinish, Marvin Tutori, Antonio Carlos Jr. Chris Weidman is in the ring. Damn, oh, yeah, he's, he lost all I mean, that's an interesting fight, too. Brunson, Shabazian. I mean, Shabazian being the young, young, absolute killer. And there, you know, I'm picking him. I'm about Shabazian when it comes to that. So, it's, there's going to be a lot of depth at this middleweight division right now. So, you know, it's kind of getting just a little, little overwhelming to think about. Very, very overwhelming to think about. So, you know, there's going to be a lot of uh, a lot of shit happening, you know, 2020 and 2021 as well when it comes to the middleweight division. I think everything's going to be on tap and things going to fall into place perfectly. All right. Speaking of Darren Till versus Robert Whitaker, we're going to talk about that uh in one second, just quickly, as always, ladies and gentlemen, like I said, we're brought to you by Anchor. Anchor, like I said, is one-stop shop for recording, hosting, distributing your podcast. There's over a million people that have podcasts. Why don't you be one to join the millions of people out there? You get to communicate. You know, you reach out, talk to, interact with people all over the world. You get to have them listen to your thoughts and, you know, your entertainment. Whatever it is that you want to do on your podcast, talk about, you know, sing, whatever it is that you want to do, you have the ability to spread that with the world so quickly, ladies and gentlemen, download the Anchor app in the Google Play, Apple Store, or the Apple Store, whichever one you want, Android, iPhone, does not matter, G the King Official on Instagram, G the King MMA on Twitter, follow us as well at at KWTKPod on Instagram and Twitter, ladies and gentlemen, all right, like I said, staying in the middleweight division right now, um... Well, Till versus Whitaker, very interesting fight. Very, very interesting fight. I mean, Robert Whitaker is a very nasty counter striker, very nasty striker in general. Very, a lot of power. You know, nasty left hook. You know, very good chin. Um, you know, obviously, like I said, you know, there is times where he does get caught. Like the, like I said, in the Israel fight, like in the Romero fight, and you know, obviously, like I said, those both those Romero fights were very close. Both of them. You know, a lot of people bought, 
a lot of people I've seen a lot of people think that Romero won both of those, and they're not really convinced that Rob won any of those. I mean, we've seen his fight, the Israel fight. Um, you know, he gets caught, he gets you know dropped, and you know he's a, he's an excellent striker. Just you know, kind of guy like Israel, and just really. You know, he calculated and he's able to read people so fantastically. And, you know, he was able to read Rob, counter, you know, drop him and, you know, finish the fight. But, you know, you know, Till, obviously, like I said, this is a, you know, kind of probably one of his high, you know, uh, highest stake fights at 185 pounds. I'm not going to say his highest stakes fights ever because Till is a former world title challenger. I mean, he did fight Tyron Woodley. Like I said, he fought, I mean, he fought, uh, Cowboy Cerrone, he's fought Masvidal, you know, he's, he's just fought a lot of good guys, man, so, Till's no, Till is obviously, like I said, very talented, and, you know, obviously, like I said, he's top contender, and, you know, but for mi- middleweight-wise, he's, I feel like, you know, a win over Robert Whitaker, however, would be fantastic for Till, um, however, you know, obviously for Whitaker, for Whitaker to get that win would put him in a good spot as well. Uh, I don't think anybody's necessarily rushing to see him versus Izzy anytime soon, considering the fact that if you look at this absolute middleweight division, I don't know what a win means for both of them. I mean, obviously, like I said, on the short list of contenders, I mean, if Till wins, we've been talking about the Israel and Till fight for so long, too, so that would be a fight maybe to pencil in. Say if you know, Izzy gets past Paulo Costa with a clean slate, Get ready for another boring fight, ladies and gentlemen. He's going to do the same thing he did with Romero. Just kidding. I think Paulo Costa is a tough fight for Israel Adesanya as well, so you never know. Um, yeah, man, like I said, the middleweight division is very stacked. I mean, Till, obviously, is very, very devastating. You know, his nasty elbows, nasty knees, nasty kicks. He's just overall very talented striker. I mean, he comes from Liverpool, England. You know, fantastic. I mean, um, not only, how was it? We also got the uh, the return of Alexander Gustafson, which is very exciting. Very, very exciting. You know, not, not only is Alexander Gustafson learning, not only is Alexander Gustafson the one of the best fighters in the world to never win a world title, not only is Alexander Gustafson one of the only guys to almost beat Corn and John Jones at the time, John Jones more notably, because obviously, like I said, Stipe has been Cormier since and stuff like that. But, you know, overall at that time, he was only only people that bit close to really, you know, edging Cormier on the scorecards or just edging Cormier in a fight and edging John Jones in the first fight. Say what you want about the second one, but, you know, he edged him and almost beat John that night. And in a lot of people's eyes, he did beat John. So it's a very special thing to have. Your Gustafson, obviously, like I said, he came off of coming off of the loss to Smith. Anthony Smith at light heavyweight, then he retired subsequently, and, you know, he kind of, overall, after he was retired, he kind of saw him, you know, still train for a little bit, and then kind of, you know, ultimately come back and, you know, announce, you know, he wants to return. I didn't know he was coming back as heavyweight, though. That's That was news for me at one time, so, like I said, he's fighting Fabricio Verdun, which is kind of a crazy thing to think about, because you think, like, you think about, like, for Verdun, who has some of the best wins of all time, heavyweight wins of all time, I mean, Went over Cain Velasquez. I mean, the first man to submit and stop Fedor like that. Verdum's fought. I mean, he's fought Fedor. He beat Cain Velasquez. Travis Brown. No, Travis Brown's no 
good heavyweight. I mean, he's, he was good at one point in time. When when he started taking his footwork away, that's when he started to suck. All right, let me look at Verdum's wins. I know he has more wins than I'm mentioning. Fabricio Verdum, he's had those win over, uh, like I said, the win over Pedro was absolutely fucking crazy. No one would have thought that. I mean, Alistair Overeem, he's fought Alistair Overeem. That was back in 2018. He just recently fought at UFC 249 in May in Jacksonville, Florida. Okay, so he's fought. I mean, he's fought Stipe. Obviously lost. Came beat Came Velasquez. Then he beat Mark Hunt in fantastic fashion. Submitted Antonio Noguera. Beat Roy Nelson. I mean, Antonio Silva. Brandon Vera. Beat Fedor's. He has a win over both Fedor brothers. Alexander Emelianenko. Um, Sergey Karatanov. He's fought him. Gabriel Gonzaga in 2003 in jungle fights. That's pretty. But yeah, so. He's fighting. Gustafson's fighting a really. Uh, it's, it's, it, that's such a crazy fight. I mean, um, obviously, I'd say I'd give the speed advantage and the accurate, you know, the boxing and stuff to Gustafson. I mean, he wasn't on like the Swedish fucking team or some Swedish national boxing team or some shit like that. Am I, am I butchering that? Is that correct? I mean, Verdum is regarded as one of the best heavyweights of all time. I mean, it's just crazy to see. Like, I mean, so I'm not saying that he doesn't belong. Alexander doesn't belong in there or, or Verdum doesn't belong in there with him, but they're two different weight classes. They've competed and completed history in two different weight classes, man. But, so Gustafson coming back as a heavyweight is the best thing for him. It's going to be ex exciting and excellent, man. Other than that, man, he, uh, he's lost to... Uh, his, uh, Gustafson's losses in the UFC has been to Phil Davis. And then, you know, he has a uh, submission. And he won and lost to John Jones. Stopped by Anthony Johnson. Split decision with Cormier. I mean, Gustafson's one of those guys, too, man. Look, his only loss is Phil Davis, John Jones, Anthony Johnson, Cormier, and Anthony Smith. Not too many losses, but not too many fights as well. I mean, if you look at his, his history since the, since the, his, I mean, his, since, like, the last five years. No, since the 2013, okay. So we'll go from there. He fought John Jones in 2013. Then he fought Manuel in 2014. Lost to Johnson in 2015, then lost to Cormier as well. Coming off of a loss, he fought for the title. That's pretty cool. I forgot about that. And then he fought once in 2016, once in 2017. Amazing win over Global Chera in the, the one minute, seven seconds. And then obviously the John Jones fight, he got a rematch. And then the Anthony Smith. And now he's fighting Verdun. I feel he has better boxing, for sure. On the feet. Footwork. I mean, I think at heavyweight, he doesn't have to cut any weight. I mean, he did, you know, can't really see his abs. Not saying he's out of shape or anything, but heavyweight Gus, you don't need to worry about that. You don't need to worry about the abs. I'm saying for Gustafson, his footwork, his movement, his counters, his, his long range, his kicks, he's devastating. And he has good wrestling, too. You know, obviously, like you said, you can't really, no one really wants to go to the ground with a, a guy like Fabrizio, but obviously, I feel majority of this fight and, and a lot of this fight I'm betting percentage wise is contested to be 
on the feet. And if people are betting on Gustafson to win, they're going to win, have him winning by knockout, and it most likely or decision or something like that. Or you know, I don't know. I mean, Verdum has good grappling as well. He's a big guy. You know, he could take you down as well, and then you know, submit you too. So I mean, Gustafson has shown prone to being submitted and stuff. He's been submitted twice in the UFC, one by Phil Davis and one by Anthony Smith. So I mean, like I said, Gustafson's got to watch out for the submissions as well. And, you know, obviously, like I said, I'm not really worried too much on the striking area, mainly the submissions, considering that Verdum is, uh, uh, like, a billion times more credentialed in, in jiu-jitsu than um, Anthony Smith. So it's going to be a gonna be an interesting fight, man. We're going to catch a commercial break. And quickly, that's what I was saying. Like, that's, what I was, that's what I was talking about. So, you know, I was just thinking about it during that quick little commercial break. I was thinking about it. You look at the list of the people Gustafson's fought, right? He's only fought the best and lost to the best. So when a fighter starts to lose to people that I don't agree they should be losing to, that's when there's problems. But, you know, obviously, like I said, you can have off nights and training may not go as well. And, you know, the pressure's on. You never know what they're going through in the back burn and all that. So, like I said, you know, I'm not going to sit here and judge. But, you know, like I said, Gustafson hasn't been too active, but every time he's been back, you know, he's had he's had amazing performances other than, like, the John and the Smith fight and stuff. But, you know, I feel in this fight, you know, very, very good fight. You know, very good fight for him. I feel Verdum's slow in striking, and he leaves himself open at times to get hit. And, you know, he's just, he's too wild at times. I mean, you look at the way that, he charged Stipe. He don't charge He's that devastating with their punches like that. Even before Stipe fought for the world title, he still was knocking dudes out very, very impressively. So I was like, that's the wrong guy. Try to run against that, uh, do against that. But, um, or, you know, kind of make a mistake like that. But, you know, Gustafson, like I said, I have, I have, I have ultimate faith. Obviously, like I said, if you can stop takedowns and, you know, obviously, like I said, uh, you know, get loose and land his, 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 you know, his, his shots that he's known for landing. I mean, he's, he has sneaky power and sneaky hands. And, and you know, I think as a heavyweight, he's going to have more power. Like I said earlier, he's not going to have to cut weight. So it's going to be an interesting fight. I really can't wait. I'm picking Gustafson. And to close the show out, if we haven't done them, we're going to do them now live here on the show. Verdict MMA picks, ladies and gentlemen, for Whitaker versus Till. Uh, I just want to update him and make sure I'm 100% comfortable with my picks. About a uh, Shogun when they fought. You guys remember that? I'm picking Gustafson by second round knockout. I'm picking Darren Till to stop Robert Whitaker in the third. I'm picking Shogun to defeat Noguera by unanimous decision, ending the three, third rivalry. Paul Craig. Oh. I'm picking Gazirmad Antilav. To pick beat Paul Craig by submission. Carlos Barza defeat Marina Rodriguez by unanimous decision, actually. Fuck, I hope I don't. I, I'm not gonna fucking turn that in. Kamzad Chimilov versus Ryan Ryze McKee. Okay. Alright, I'm not. I only care about the ones, I, the ones I was talking about. So, yeah, so like I said, Gustafson, heavyweight, awesome shit. Um. Takashi 69 signed a 5 million live stream deal for one performance.
I was just looking at that. It's nothing important. But anyways, guys, I think that's all we got. I, I was like I said, I was gonna be here and, and talk. I mean, obviously, like I said, it's gonna be an amazing fight. I cannot wait for Till Whitaker and all the rest of them. You know, the return of uh, Kamzad Chimov, the close, the freaking fastest. Uh, no, fa the fastest return in the UFC history. Like, not even a couple weeks notice, he's fighting again. Looks absolutely amazing. Um, but anyways, guys, like I said, that's a, that's a show. Thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, you know, like I said, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram. G the King official on Instagram. G the King in May. KWTK Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, Facebook.com slash Gabriel the King Hernandez. Ladies and gentlemen, subscribe, like, share, rate, review. And if you want to, like I said, I definitely encourage it, strongly encourage it. Anchor.fm forward slash start to start your own podcast or download the app in Google Play or the App Store today. Like I said, we'll be back after the fights for um, to talk about and recap everything that goes down. Ladies and gentlemen, appreciate you for tuning in. We'll be back sooner rather than later. We out of here. Bye, folks.